0: Over the last few weeks, we have been journeying together through the the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and and we're just kind of entering this place in the sermon where Jesus begins kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of the instructions. Um, He he starts his sermon with the Beatitudes. We we started our our series there with these these blessings. Then he gives a bit of a charge saying, "You're, you're blessed, so, so go out and, and live as salt and light in the world. Go out and add flavor to the world. Go out and radiate joy to the world. And, and then he gets to this place where he talks about the scripture. And this is where we're going to be today. This is where we're going to be next week and in the, in, in the week after. Um, th- th- this is the place where he we read those, you, you've heard what it was said. Where he kind of goes into, the, you've heard what it said, but now, I say to you, we're going to begin to dive into that a little bit this morning. And then at the end of the sermon, the, the majority of it really, uh, ironically, where we're going to be spending the least amount of time in the sermon series, um, is committed to how his followers are called to live their faith. This is where we get the Lord's Prayer. This is where we get the, the passage of, of, of don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Um, this is where we, we, we learn about how we approach our stuff, those, those sorts of things. So this morning we'll be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. If you brought your Bibles, I invite you to turn there. If not, the words will be up on the screen. You can also use the Pew Bibles in front of you. Um, More than welcome to follow along. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the word and for the truth it speaks into our lives. God, as we try to unpack uh, some of that truth this morning, we ask that you'd give us ears to hear what you have for us. And I ask that you take my words and that you would use them for your kingdom. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So starting at verse 17, we read this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So when I was in, in high school and in college, I spent every spring break in Mexico. And no, it wasn't that type of trip. You thinking, where's where's Pastor Dave going? It wasn't that type of trip. Uh, Every Palm Sunday, we'd we'd load up in vans. Our church would pray for us. We'd load up in vans and we'd drive across the border and we'd build seven or eight houses in in Tijuana and in the surrounding areas. And then we'd come back on on Good Friday exhausted and satisfied, amazed that a, a bunch of high school kids and a couple college kids could build these seven or eight houses in five days. Whenever I I talk about those trips, I say that it's not at all an exaggeration that it was on those trips where I learned anything I know about construction. Measure twice, cut once, measure twice, cut cut once. Um, I I look around my house and I start thinking, oh, I can probably do that myself. I've built a house in Mexico. Not at all the, the case. Uh, our church had a great setup. We, we partnered with a church who, who found families in need that, that lived in the same neighborhood. So over the years, we, bait, we built relationships with these communities. We did VBS. We, we, we built these houses. We got to know these, these families. A designer from the church and an architect from the church, they drew up the plans that we used. A contractor spent months and months training us how to build before we went down. So every site was led by high school foremen and, and, and girls. Boys and girls at every site. So no adult, no adults were allowed to pick up a hammer. Only kids were allowed to build, build these houses. How would, how would the the work trips work, JR, if, if no adults picked up any tools? No, they get work done. They, they still get the work done. Uh, and, and, and then a men's ministry would come down Thursday and, um, they, they'd come down and, and, and try to kind of say, oh, we, we can finish what these kids haven't done. They'd always be surprised because most of the work was done by the time that the men got there. But what I didn't know in high school and what I learned later when, it, when I got old enough to be a part of that men's group is the men's group also went down to lay all of the foundations for the houses before the building could begin. And so we'd go down over, over different weekends to, to lay the foundations so we could, when the kids arrived they could start building. Now the first thing that we would do when we arrived at the work site on Palm Sunday was to see if the, the foundation was level. Or, or square. And without fail, it never was. It was never level, it was never never square. And there's nothing quite like a bunch of high school kids uh, going to their dad's and their dad's friends and saying, you guys don't know what you're doing. You, 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 can't, you can't pour concrete, concrete flat. I, I don't think we ever built on a level square or foundation and the degree to which it was off would determine how far we would be set back And how far, how much more work we would have to do before we even started to build. Getting the foundation right and making the adjustments before we began building was essential for our success for the rest of the week. So after starting his message with the Beatitudes and and calling his followers to be salt and light in their communities, Jesus lays a foundation. He, He lays a foundation that should help us to understand everything else he says in the sermon. He says, look, look, I didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets. I didn't come to get, get rid of them. I came to fulfill them. I came to fulfill them. And really, every time Jesus interacted with the religious elite of his day, he went to great lengths to remind them of this. To remind them of this. So, so one of those moments was when Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're walking through the field on, on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they picked some grain. The Pharisees call them out and say they've broken the law, and Jesus responds and says, what? What's the big deal? King David ate consecrated bread when he was hungry. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And then there's the time that Jesus enters the temple in Jerusalem and sees the way that money was being changed in in the the courtyard. It's the most angry we ever see, Jesus. He flips over the tables and he says, this place is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations, for everyone, and you've turned it into a den of robbers. We get the sense that in Jesus' mind, the temple had become something it was never intended to be. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law or to undo anything that the prophets had said. He came to fulfill it, fulfill them. But what does that even mean? What does that even mean? Uh, It it wouldn't be too far of a stretch to think that that some of those who heard Jesus during Jesus' day thought that he was was radical. In today's world, we might say they'd consider him overly progressive or, or maybe even... Maybe even kind of new agey. Maybe. It's the sort of thing that pastors have heard over the last 10 or 20 years when, when drums show up in the worship service. Or, or, or when, you're not drums. I know you're not drums. The drums used to be there and the drums are coming back there. Uh, the, the, where the drums are. Or, or what pastors hear when they, they show up to preach in blue jeans and tattoos instead of wearing a robe and a stole. A lot of people thought Jesus was a threat to a traditional way of thinking. So he stops them and he says, hold up. Hold up. You've gotten it wrong. You've misunderstood everything that I'm about. If anything, we learn in the next part of the sermon, where we're going to be next week, we learn that Jesus held his followers to a very strict set of expectations. We'll see that next week. It's important for Jesus' followers to know that Jesus isn't anti-law, that Jesus isn't anti-Scripture. So he calls his first followers and says, look, we're not setting it aside. And he reminds us of the same thing, that we're we're not setting it aside. And in doing so, he says, but there is a deeper meaning of, of why it all exists. We need to understand first things first. It, it makes me think of what my dad would ever say, uh, what my dad would always say whenever he'd correct me or tell me I couldn't something do as a kid and something I find myself saying to my kids now all the time. One day, one day you'll understand. What, what, one day it will all make sense. Jesus is saying that one day is, is now. I'm, I'm, he was there. That one day is, is now. The word to fulfill, it literally means to raise or to complete or to put in place. It's the same verb that gets translated into resurrection later in Matthew's gospel. So in the same way that God raises Jesus to life, Jesus came to resurrect the words of the law and the prophets. He came to give them life. I had a Hebrew professor in seminary who would often remind his class that it was a disservice to read the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. And I think he's right. I think he's right. But the, the reality is for Jesus, the Old Testament, the Hebrew text, was the Bible. It was the Scriptures. It was God's Word. And Jesus came to interpret it, to live it out, and to give it life, and to give it away to his father throughout his ministry Jesus placed a premium on the law and on the prophets so when he takes this small group Peter James and John on a retreat up a mountain for the Transfiguration who who stands'm to turn to the choir wake up choir are we ready who who's who's next to Jesus uh, when they go up the mountain for the Transfiguration who appears who appears, who appears? Moses. Moses and Elijah, Elijah. And, we got a smart choir. Moses and Elijah's there. Moses representing who? The law. Elijah representing the prophets. The law and the prophets. Have any of you ever been to Pike's Peak in Colorado? So so when I was a kid we took a family trip to Pike's Peak. We we swerved back and forth up the mountain till we got to the top. From the car I could hear the wind howling. And and, and we got to the top of the mountain, I opened the door, it slammed shut because it was so windy, we reached the summit, and I remember thinking, why in the world are we here? Why are we here? Now I imagine that's the same sort of thing that, that Peter, James, and John thought on the mountain. Jesus, why did you bring us here? Why? It's not just a question of fear, it's one of curiosity. It's one of awe, one of purpose, one of direction. The, the, the question of why isn't necessarily always a challenge. It's what's what's the underlying function? Why? Why did you bring us here? And on that mountain, Peter, James, and John get to see a glimpse of God's kingdom. A glimpse that Jesus talked about all the time, including here in this sermon. Nothing in history would be the same. In every sense of the word. Which is why Jesus said, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all of it is accomplished. Accomplishment and fulfillment go hand in hand with one another. So Jesus doesn't see his life and ministry in opposition to the Old Testament. Or in opposition to what the Pharisees and the religious elite believed and taught. Instead, Jesus identifies his teaching as something that affirms the spirit of what had been taught for generations. He sought to clarify it all, to to point out the blind spots, to reveal the big picture. He's laying a foundation for how his followers can move forward. Paul summarizes this idea in Romans chapter 8, and as Eugene Peterson translates, the law always ended up being used as a band-aid. A band-aid on sin instead of a a deep healing of it. What the law asked for but we couldn't deliver is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. From the beginning of his sermon, Jesus makes it clear that, that he is in complete alignment with the intent of the law and the prophets from what he preached to how he lived. Now, in Jesus's day, there, there were over 600 laws and traditions that, that the Jewish community tried to uphold. And, and much like the church today, there were often debates about how closely we should interpret those, how we should literally follow them. And, and here Jesus kind of cuts, cuts through it all and says he didn't come to be a part of the debate. He came to end it. He came to end it. Uh, Seven or eight years ago... I was on a retreat with a group of pastors who were a part of the presbytery that I was in at the time, uh, and, our, and our denomination was when our denomination was caught up in all kinds of debates back and forth, uh, and the loudest of which having to do with how we define marriage. And the speaker of the retreat was this, this kind of guru in church conflict. He, he he took family systems theory, and, and he, he applied it to how we live out church life together. When, when When churches couldn't find a common ground, he would go in and he would say, all right, let's... Let's, let's let's get busy, let's work. We we were having these conversations as pastors back and forth, and, and one pastor in particular kept prodding over and over. Well, what should we do? What about scripture? How are we supposed to lead our congregations through through times like this? And the speaker paused, looked down, and said, How many of your churches are debating circumcision? We all said, well, what in the world are you talking about? What, what in the world are you talking about? There was this awkward silence in the room. And finally, someone spoke up and said, well, none of them. None of them. And the speaker said something I will never forget. He said, there will always be something to distract us from Jesus. There will always be something to debate to distract us from Jesus. There's always something, and there always will be something. And over the last seven or eight years, those, those distractions have only increased in intensity. Look at the world in which we live. So before Jesus gets to the, the nuts and bolts of this, this sermon, he says, don't miss the big picture. Don't forget to keep the main thing as the, the main thing. Don't forget the foundation. I didn't come to get rid of the foundation. I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. So I want us to ask ourselves a couple of questions this week that, that hopefully encourage us to not miss the big picture, especially with all the craziness that's, that's coming this upcoming week and this, this upcoming season uh, in our world. First, are, are, you, are you reading Scripture? Are you reminding yourself of what's important? On a daily basis, are you, are you taking time to say, huh, what, is, what does God have for me? Are you in God's word? And are you honest with what you read? This, this last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, and, and during our, our service here, I invited those of us who were here to um, step out intentionally into the wilderness, to, to spend some time in the discomfort of the wilderness. And a part of that is looking at the parts of Scripture that kind of make us go, huh, what, what do we do with this? What, what does this say? Uh, there's, in the, the narthex, there are, are bookmarks with, with a, a journey through Lent that, that talks about all the different times, not all the different times, many of the different times, Jesus goes to the wilderness. I'd encourage you some time over the next six weeks to be intentional. Find some wilderness. Wrestle with, with Scripture. Be honest with it. And then, secondly, do we take Jesus' command seriously? Next week, we'll be in Matthew 5:21 through 48. If you're wondering, what should I be reading this week? You can read Matthew 21 through 48. We'll, we'll be looking at that next week, which has a lot of the, the commands that follow what Jesus is talking about here. And I'll, I'll give you a heads up. They're not easy to understand. They'll, they'll make you say, huh? What? They're not, not going to be easy to preach through either. I'll give you, give you that heads up. Uh-huh. So Jesus starts his ministry with a sermon of blessings and and affirmation, and then he turns to the foundations of faith. But at the end of his earthly ministry, he he reminds his followers of, of the foundations. As he gives his followers the the charge to go and continue the work that that, that he had done, he gives them a charge. When we talk about the Great Commission, we we typically focus on the part that says, go and make disciples and baptize. We we, we emphasize the the going. And we often forget about teaching obedience. Teaching obedience to everything that I have commanded you, everything that Jesus has commanded. Next week, we're going to dive into a little bit of exactly what what we're called to be obedient to. And my guess is it will be a little uncomfortable. But at the heart of it all, at the the heart of the Great Commission, at the heart of Jesus' sermon, here is the, the reminder to keep first things first. To remember that he didn't come, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it, to bring it to life. Let's pray. Lord, help us to remember to keep the main thing the main thing. God, help us not to lose focus on you and and how much you love us and love our neighbors. Remind us of who you are. Remind us of who you've called us to be. I pray these things in your name. Amen.